Yo, everybody. Today on the Satsung Podcast, we have uh, one of the baddest motherfuckers alive. Um, Tyler Wombles. Tyler Wombles is a Muay Thai fighter and striking coach and uh, the owner of Classic Fight Team. He has trained Andre Feely, Raymond Daniels, uh, Christian Aguilera, Cody Garbrandt, um, he is an extremely high-level striking coach, uh, and we had a mutual friend, um, it's funny, uh, this kid Dejan was, uh, was in Billings and training at the gym, and, uh, I asked where he was from, and, and he said, uh, well, I was living in Costa Mesa, and I was like, man, classic fight teams down there, and he's like, yeah, dude, that's where I train, so, uh, I've been knowing about Tyler and, uh, and the fighters that he's trained for a while, um, unfortunately the podcast is pretty short, we had some weird technical difficulties that took 15 minutes to tackle, and then he had to go teach, um, so we didn't get a lot of time to unpack a lot of these things, so I apologize that some of them are short, um, there's a few things that I feel need, uh, explained, um, you know, uh, it, at one point, um, I mentioned this theory that I have about small violence, and I wanted to clear up. I'm not necessarily condoning violence to strangers. What I'm saying is that there's a uh, uh, something that happens growing up when you get checked, um, and you can meet people and tell that they've never been checked. Uh, you know, for me, I always think of just real arrogant bastards, guys like Donald Trump. Uh, you know, just these classic. Uh, kind of authoritarian dickhead dudes uh, that you can tell no one's ever stepped to them uh, in a serious way. Um, you know, I also recognize that, that fighting in general isn't something that's always going to translate to satsung fans. And my goal with having these fighters on is A, to highlight the artistry and the commitment and dedication that it takes to be a martial artist, because I think the parallels that I've found between that and music are nearly identical. Um, but that there, there's great value in doing hard shit. Uh, and training mixed martial arts is hard as fuck. It's hard on your body. It's hard on your mind. Um, it's a very slow process uh, with a very vigorous learning curve. And, um, you know, that's why I keep having fighters on. That's why I keep having fighters on and coaches on. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's important to me to merge these two worlds and to give... Uh, you know, give a voice to these athletes because I think uh, people that don't follow the sport have a tendency to see mixed martial artists as these kind of like tough guy hooligan characters when in reality they're some of the most down-to-earth, humble, sweet, salt-of-the-earth people um, that outwork everybody in the name of their dream and it's such a high-risk, high-reward sport. Um, I just have the utmost respect for anybody chasing their dreams uh, especially when the consequences are as high as they are in mixed martial arts. Anywho, all that being said, I'm going to stop talking, and uh, here is Mr. Tyler Wombles, and uh, and we will definitely be having him on again, and uh, we'll be unpacking a lot more shit next time he's on. Um, big love, Tyler. Thanks for coming on. Hope y'all enjoy. Tyler Wombles, welcome to the Satsung Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Super stoked that we could have you, man. Um, yeah, we made it happen. Yeah, dude. So I want to uh, 
I want to know how you got into Muay Thai and just through our conversations, I gathered that you uh, were kind of a troublemaker when you were a kid and you grew up in SoCal and just talk a little bit about how you found Muay Thai. Yeah, man. Um, I was 12, 13 when I first started. I had done a little, like maybe like a year and a half, two years of, of karate before as like a little kid. Mm-hmm. And, and when I was about 12, 13, uh, my dad had all types of um, old K1 videos, Ernesto Hoos, Remy Bonjaski, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, we would always play them, you know, VHS, VHS tapes, and we'd watch those and um, old Pride videos. And the, the bar that my parents frequented, it was, you know, I, I grew up in a bar that was my my thing Same. pool table baby and Same. um <laughs> and uh the bar was literally con- were directly next door to hb ultimate which was tito ortiz razor rob mccolo uh fabiano Iha back then a-, a bunch of old school dudes you know and that was my dad fucking took me there signed me up there and that was kind of how it how it started. He'd go to the they'd go to the bar and they'd drop me off at training. And then when I was done training, I'd walk over to the bar, have a soda and and a burger or something, and then go home. And uh, you know, I remember him him coming in and being when we were watching those tapes, being like, "Hey, do you want to do this stuff?" I was like, "Well, hell yeah, I want to do this stuff." My dad was always a rowdy dude, you know what I mean? Coming home from the bar late at night, bloody or something from fights, like with a cast on his hand always crazy so he told me you know you want to do this there's a place right next to the bar it was called lucky john's at the time there's a place right next to lucky john's and we went there he's like i think it's where that tito ortiz guy trains and i went there and i i hopped in the kids class it was um razor rob mccullough taught the class and this was before he was even wec this was like WFC days when they were having those fights in Vegas and stuff like that battle at the Bellagio and was fighting in K1 and uh man I just fell in love with it dude it was only thing I wanted to do I would ditch school I was my freshman year I would ditch school and I'd show up to class at like because I lived directly across from my high school mm-hmm. like direct directly across I could throw throw a rock from my window and hit my high school and, but my parents went to work at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., so they were gone. So I just wouldn't even wake up for school, and I would just go straight to the gym, and I'd train, and they'd all be like, dude, don't you have – how are you in this class? Like, don't you have school? And I'd lie and be like, oh, I wrestle, so I have a zero period, and I don't have class right now, and just make up some stupid shit. And <laughs> I'd, I'd be there every day, man, and it, it just became – it became like a – a mandatory part of my life even through everything I did growing up even when I was a shithead even when I was a fucking you know what I mean punk kid I always trained I always made sure to train when how old were you when you had your first fight uh 15 damn amateur Muay Thai fight yeah yeah I fought a 19 year old dude that had a bunch of tattoos and I remember being like fuck this is scary you know what I mean but um I ended up clinching him in the corner and I hit him with two knees to the body. And that was my first ever kickboxing finish. I only have two out of all my fights. So I was super hyped as a kid, super small. I I wrestled uh, my freshman year. I wrestled one Oh threes and 
my first fight was probably 112s. Yeah, it's crazy. You used to fight at like 125, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first my first MMA fights were at 125 pounds. And then I won the state title kickboxing at 132 pounds, 137. 137 pounds. That 32 is the next weight class down. Super lightweight. I was IKF, super lightweight California state champion at 137. And then I had a fight at 145. And then I took some time off and I recently just fought at 170. So Yeah, so what do you what do you walk at now? I'm like 7580. Yeah, it's funny, dude. I don't know if you remember, but like fucking two years ago I hit you up and was like, yo, dude. Cause I've been the skinny guy my whole life yeah. You know? and I just started training almost about j- this fall will be four years. Yeah. And, uh, dude, I could not put on weight to save my life. And I remember yeah. you hit me back and you're like, man, you got to fucking eat and eat and eat. Dude, that, that was like the one thing somebody told me was like, you have to eat. If you really, really truly want to gain weight, <clears throat> you have to eat until you're uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yep if you got to set times throughout the day where you eat and even if that bell goes off and it's time to eat and you're not hungry, you got to fucking eat. You know what I mean? And yeah. That was the game changer for me was a eating the right things. But B I used to be like, well, I eat all the time, but it wasn't until it actually started during quarantine. Like once our tours got canceled, I was like, okay, yeah. I'm fucking home indefinitely. That yeah. was when I started being like, okay, here's how much calories I need and busting the calculator out every meal and just being like, all right, I'm hitting 3000 calories. And here is how it's broke up. That's where the, that's where the weight comes when you start triple tripling your, uh, your calorie intake. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And it's crazy. It worked. I'm walking it. Yeah. I'm at like 178. Nice. It's easy to not dude. It's easy to, to eat a breakfast and and get full. And then you get going, working on some shit throughout the whole day. And next thing you know, it's five o'clock and you're like, shit. I ain't eating since 9 a.m. Like, yeah, especially coffee in the mix. Unfortunately, I've been so busy lately. That's kind of like my weight's been going down because that's what I've been doing, dude. I'm running the gym. I've got my art business, you know, so I'm, I'm, I have uh, my firearm, my firearms and safe self-defense company with my boy. And uh, it's so busy that sometimes I get working on something and I'm, I get pissed at myself because I'm like, dude, you haven't eaten in six hours. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And yeah, man. Body, you know? Well, it's good to hear that you're, that you're so busy, man. Cause I feel like that's been the two turns that I've seen people do with this COVID thing is they're like, okay, I'm going to really take this time to like chill out and shit like that. Where I was like, Nope, I'm going to take nope. this time to get turned into I'm a, a fucking savage dude. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. I'm going to fucking make moves while everyone's being a fucking lazy ass. Yeah, man. I've I've been seeing the stuff that you're doing with Travis Kennedy, man. That's that's badass stuff, man. Yeah, that's my boy, man. That's uh the oldest friend I have, man. Um I've known him since kindergarten. Our parents were really, really close friends. We grew up together and then, you know, as he got older, he took his path to becoming a Navy SEAL and uh we never really lost contact. We always would through social media talk to each other. He'd be overseas, message me or something, tell me what's up, like and then, uh, you know, he just got out. He got out of the SEALs this year. It was 13 years almost that he did. And I started training with him. Learned I've always had firearms. I've always liked firearms. And I could shoot one, but that was it. I could point mm-hmm. it and shoot it and probably not, not hit. You know what I mean? And uh, 
man, the guy is a, uh, his wealth of knowledge is, is insane, man. He, he helped me out a lot. He made me super comfortable with the, with the firearm, made me super comfortable transitioning between two different firearms. And it's just, you think you know something until you, until you get with somebody that really knows something, you know what I mean? And then you realize you don't know shit. Dude. And that's a, that's an area that I know I lack in cause I shoot all the time, but I don't train him so with the Navy SEAL, man. I can't even shoot. imagine. I'd always go shoot guns. And that's just like the way I was holding it, the way I was reloading, like setting my gun down and, and like just trash, you know what I mean? And then after doing my courses with him, it's just like, whoa, like there, there's a legit science behind all this and, and the art form behind manipulating your weapons and stuff like that. Yeah, I bet, dude. Well, t- tell me a little bit about what uh, what this whole COVID thing has been like. I feel like kind of the un something the the big reason that I wanted to have you on aside from you being a badass and I know every fight I know the all the guys you train and um we have you know uh Dejan is a is a mutual friend of ours um but I don't feel like many gym owners are sharing what this shit has been like for them um cuz much like the music industry like you know for me my job is completely fucking relying upon large gatherings of yeah. people and yeah. as a gym owner it's like, not only do you need gatherings of people, dude, but everyone's got to be up in each other's fucking faces, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, you know, this is at the risk of getting backlash from people that listen to this, but to be honest, dude, like, I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? I'm trying to, I'm trying to live my life. I'm trying to make money and I'm trying to build a future for myself. And I shut down for the first two months of the quarantine and then when they told us to open back up, I opened back up and business was fucking booming, bro. Like everybody and their brother came in and was signing up. I had a, in a month and a half, I had more, more members. It was like a record for me for a month sign up. And, uh, I just decided there's, there's absolutely no way I can close down again. I can't tell those people, you know, and like I said, you get the backlash. Everyone's gonna be like, you don't care about people. But the, to me and in my belief is I care more about people because I'm helping people get healthy. I'm helping people stay in shape. And I'm helping people build an immune system and, and strengthen their body that is going to allow them to defeat an illness like that. Hopefully, you know what I mean? And uh, I just, I think you get, I think sitting in the house for a lot of people is a lot worse than being at the gym and maybe risking getting an illness. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that found martial arts because maybe their mental health isn't where it should be. You know what I mean? Maybe they're insecure or depressed, whatever it is. And martial arts is their outlet. And that's, yep. that was, that was the one thing keeping some people holding on, you know what I mean? And you want to take that from them. It's just, no, I, I can't, I can't close down, man. Yeah, man. I, I've, um yeah i fully hear you and i'm i'm always torn on the thing too because that's kind of where we're at at our gym is it's like for a lot of people dude it's all they have you know i'm really grateful that i found mixed martial arts after i had established my life because if i would have found it when i first got sober at fucking 22 yeah i I would have been my whole world, you know, I can't, I can't even imagine, you know, I don't think I would have been where I'm at, man. It's, it's literally all I know. You know what I mean? Like I didn't graduate high school. I got kicked out of my high school. 
I took my GED. I was a fucking knucklehead selling drugs, doing all types of wild shit. But the one thing I always knew that could put me in a good place was martial arts. And that's my main source of income. You know what I mean? And if you take that away from me, I'm going to make money. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and th this is the one martial arts is the one thing that keeps me grounded and keeps me on my, on my solid path. You know what I mean? To not be a fuck up. So yep. I understand that it's like that for me. So if it's like that for me, I know there's probably a good amount of my students that it's the same exact way for. And hundred percent. If you're sick, don't come to the gym. If you're yep. scared of being sick, don't come to the gym. You got yep. bubble guts, you got a headache, you got anything. Don't come to the gym. We've got a full sanitizing station at the front desk. We got a full sanitizing station in the locker room. We clean the shit out of our gym. I have two ladies that are there every other day that deep clean the gym. Like we don't just deep clean it at the end of the week. We clean it every day, but every other day it gets a deep deep cleaning. And uh Yeah, man, I just well, you're doing everything do you can. And that's the thing too, that's hard is we're getting to a place where it's like, um, I just, I have a few friends of mine that have uh, fights in the UFC coming up and they can't announce them yet, but they're fucking doing fight camps and garages, you yeah. know? And they're like, okay, well, I only have these two training partners. And it's just like, yeah these people don't have anything else. Like their life is contingent upon winning these fucking fights, you know? And, and as you know, in, uh, you know, in the UFC, you get X amount if you fight and then X amount if you win. So yep. it's like, you know, the fact that people can be doing their camps at your gym right now is it's like, that's. Yeah. We got, a big, <laughs> we got Christian Aguilera coming up, uh, August 29th. And I mean, it, the, the camp's going great, man. We're, uh, like I said, we're staying open and he looked great in his last fucking fight, yeah, dude. He looked, he looked awesome. He's a, to me, Christian is, is the definition of hard work and a real fighter, man. The guy is, there is nobody. And I got tons of talent. I got tons of talent and I don't care who's listening to this. <laughs> nobody, nobody will outwork Christian Aguilera. Nobody will be in the room before Christian Aguilera. Nobody will leave the room after Christian Aguilera. You know what I mean? He'll be the first one there and he'll be the last one to leave. The guy pushes, he trains hard. I had to ask him the other day, I was like, when do you actually take a full day off? I mean, the guy's, he's a seven day a weeker, man. The guy is, even, even if it's just a rest day, his rest day, he still makes sure he gets a pad session or something, you know, like it's just constantly going, constantly grinding. And, uh, we had setbacks, you know what I mean? He, uh, he fought in front of Dana two or three times on the looking for a fight and LFA and was on a terror. And then both times he fought in front of Dana, he came up short. And there was a time, you know, where he had asked, I had heard him in the back room talking to me and Colin, talking about, oh, this is my record now. Like, can I still do this? Can I still make it? And it was like, yeah, dude, you're the hardest worker we know. It, it would be silly to turn back now over this. Like, you've put in too much work. So to see him get that call on a week's notice and then to go out and perform like that, it was – dude, that shit made me cry, man. I was sitting in my yeah. gym because I couldn't, I couldn't make it to the fight. Um, I had one of my two-day defense courses with Travis Kennedy, yep. and it had already been booked. And like I said, Christian took this on a week notice. 
but man, I was watching that shit in my gym with some of the students and that shit made me cry, man. Like it was seeing him finally reach that, that pinnacle of, of his career and, and just get there. And he's got a baby on the way. It was, it's just fucking amazing, dude. And then he got, he got the knockout of the night bonus, the performance of the night bonus. Fucking champ, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. It makes me so, it makes me so happy because it's, uh, yeah, you know, fuck it. It doesn't always go that way. Like we had, we had a couple guys that were like looking super, super promising. And then same thing, dude, you get clipped a couple times in a row. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And it's just such a fucking high risk, high reward. And you know that's, what? to me, that's what makes a, a real fucking warrior is he lost three times in front of Dana and he still fucking chased that dream. You know what I mean? There was, there was no real discouragement it was just pick the pieces up and let's get back to fucking work and yes you can't ask for anything more than that in, in an athlete or a fighter man that's epic man i want to i want to ask you about your coaching style because i was just having this uh uh this conversation with my coach um you see guys you see coaches in their relationships with their fighters or they kind of play their fighters like video game characters right like particularly like uh trevor whitman and then like Dwayne yeah. Ludwig. You know, yep. like TJ's a fucking athlete, but at the end of the day, you hear Dwayne yelling shit out and you shared a post a while back that was like three videos where you yell something out. They did it and got a knockout. Yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm big on that. I'm big on coded combos. You know what I mean? I'm big on having our own method and our own approach. Um, I have a few fighters that legit, like you said, and we all we always say it in the gym. It's like my boy, Joe Murphy. He's a. Uh, an RFA vet. He's headlined RFA a few times. He used to fight World Series of Fighting. Him, he's one of the one of the most. Where it's literally like handing me a joystick, and it's a trust. You know what I mean? We have a trust in each other to where if if I call something out, he knows I'm calling it out because I see it. I'm not yep. just like nah, fucking throw this. Like yeah, you know it's I I I'm watching and I'm seeing what openings are happening. I'm seeing the little tells. And we have little coded combos that I'll call out. And it sometimes it's a lot more confusing. And you hear Dwayne. Dwayne has them a lot. Trevor Whitman has them. Um, it, it's a lot better than just call it out. All right, look for the uppercut. You know sure. what I mean? Like, and you see, you see a video, one of the videos you're talking about was me calling something out for Christian. And then he slept that dude with the uppercut. Yep. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, so I think it's, it's – all about having a trust with your athletes. They need to be able to trust that you're, you're confident and they have to, have, they have to have faith in your system. You know what I mean? They can't, they can't second guess it because if I call something and they, they hesitate, it, it could be a split second. You know what I mean? And then that all falls back on me. Like, well, fucking coach, you called this and my ass got slept. Like, right. So what I tell them is I'm always, I always say, look, when I call something out, it's because I see it in there but I don't need you to jump right into it. I'm just giving you the bullet and I just want you to, I just want you to put it in the gun. When you're ready to pull the trigger, you pull the trigger, <clears throat> but I'm just letting you know what I see from the outside and what I truly feel will touch this guy yep. or girl. If it's one of my girls. So don't feel like if I call something, bah, you just got to jump right into it. Just take it, put the bullet in the chamber. And when you're ready to fire and when you feel comfortable, pull the trigger. Yeah, man, that's a that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Yeah, it's funny. I've never been uh, coached like that. And then at a sparring session last week, um, 
one of my striking coaches was doing that every time I'd slip a punch, he'd yell something. And it was the first time I'd ever been able to just react, react, react. Yeah. I just started, good, huh? Yeah. Especially when you're lighting someone up, you know, you're yeah. like, Oh shit, it's working. You know, it's, it's like, cool. yeah, <laughs> there's a method to the madness, man. There's a method to the madness for sure. What? And uh, as for coaching style too, it's like, for me, every athlete's different. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I got, I got fighters that don't want to be amped up. I got fighters that we walk out, fucking slap hands go ahead do your thing and i got fighters that need to be i got a couple fighters i slap the shit out of them right before we get out there get in their face start yelling at them hyping them up so i think you need to be able to to read your athlete because not everybody's wired the same i see a lot of a lot of gyms they have certain routines that every fighter's got to do this every fighter every before we go out every fight and it's like you can't have that like you can't force somebody to get into the zone the way you get into the zone you know what I mean? Some guys like fucking reggae music and just chilling yep. and, and dancing their way out to the cage. And some guys like pacing around in the back room, fucking, you're trying to fucking kill me in front of my family. You want to take my money? You and you know what I mean? It's, it's yep. different. Each fighter is different. So you need to know your athlete and you need to know how to approach them and you need to know how to fuel them before a fight. And if that's silence, if silence and, and calm fuels them, then you need to play your role. If they need to be jacked up, they need to be slapped, they need to be re-encouraged, uh, encouraged, you know what I mean? Like, you need to play your role, you, but you need to know the difference in all your athletes. Like Raymond Daniels, I don't have to get him jacked up. All I got to do is put music on and dance with him, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and laugh, and he's, Raymond's in, a, in, he's, he's in his own world, dancing before he gets out there, talking to himself, telling himself he's the best ever, telling himself he's the greatest of all time. I really don't have to do anything but sit back, let him get in there. And he's another one that I have a lot of combos, man. He's one of the videos you were talking about where I call stuff out and Raymond is, is the that first one a, to pull the trigger. He's a fucking he's a ninja, man. He's a freak, for <laughs> yeah. sure. He's a freak. Well, I, you see that too because there is. There's like, right? There's like the Jeremy Stevens who's like a pissed off pit bull. And yep. then you have like, uh, you know, the Sean O'Malley's that are just like chilling chilling you know and like yeah. and, or anderson silva you know just that like the calmer they are the better they're gonna do i've yeah. always found that that to be real interesting dude because it's just like it, that man. that adrenaline man i can't imagine being able to be like i do me, it's giving me goosebumps right now on my arm thinking about how for a living i get to sit in the back room and watch all these people change you know what i mean like i get to see that that split fucking moment where they change, where it's time to walk, you know, like we get to the arena, we're wrapping hands, we're all joking and shit, but then it's 10 minutes till fight time and you fucking watch them change. And I can say, I can say for me, one of the, the most like intense ones that I watch change is Andre feeling dude. Like, uh, he's a gangster, man. I, I've cornered him twice in UFC and, and sitting in the back room with him we warm up we talk and then that motherfucker just goes and sits off by himself throws his hood on and he's just fucking staring into nothing you know what i mean and i'm telling you bro i watched that kid's pupils go black and there was it looked like there was no life in that motherfucker's eyes dude and to me he's one of the nastiest featherweights in the ufc i agree man i think he uh I think he's uh, he's real underrated, and I feel like with Same. his last win, I think he's gonna. I think he has the potential to hit a serious stride, man. And I think me he's too. Uh, me too. he's a stud, dude. He's to me so heavy-handed, man. The only other guy that I could say is probably a harder hitter comes from the same camp, and it's yeah. Josh Emmett. 
You know what I mean? Those two, <laughs> those two dudes are for sure the hardest hitting 45ers in the UFC. Yeah, that, last, that last Josh Emmett fight, dude, that might have been my favorite fight of all time. Bro. Yeah. And talk about a chin on Burgos, huh? Yeah, man. Just like how – and he just kept taking steps forward, just eating them and coming yeah. forward, dude. Josh has this punch where he, where, that he does where he level changes and steps into southpaw and throws that overhand left. And it just has so much snap on it, dude. He's, he's by far the biggest 45er I've ever seen. Totally. Dude, and to, to know that you saw, his, you saw his whole stance and everything change and he quit stepping on that leg, what was it, like the second round? Yeah. And then come to find out, like, oh, yeah, it's fucking ACL tour, and he just kept fighting like it wasn't even a animal. thing, man. Absolute animal. That's what separates, you know, that's what separates the top tier. I, I was thinking, like, what the fuck's it like to be in there and hit that switch to – on somebody's chin and then watch him take a step forward. Like he had to be like, what the fuck? Jesus, I'm hitting <laughs> you, you know? with everything and you're still here. You know yeah, I mean? dude. But. Oh man. So you obviously dude, you know, love to fight, but your passion is clearly in coaching and it's clearly your supreme gift. What made you, what made you say, I love fighting, but coaching is my path. I almost fell into it. You know, I come, I came from Kings MMA with Rafael Cordero. Uh, mm -hmm. I was with him when he first came to America when he was still shootbox. Uh, I had my first MMA fight under the shootbox banner. Um, and I was like an assistant coach there. I held pads. I, I, I was teaching classes there all the time. And, you know, when, when I left there and, you know, I was there for almost seven years. And it was, you know, it was just time, you know, not, there's no bad blood or nothing. I love Raphael and I respect him I'm the coach I am today because of him you know I learned I learned how to coach from Rafael Cordero but I just needed to to grow and do my own thing you know and um so I left and I I was still training was still gonna fight and then when I left a few of the guys left too and they came with me and a lot of other guys now that I wasn't the guys from other gyms that you know they trained elsewhere and didn't come there because of their affiliation at another gym. Now all of a sudden they wanted to work with me and it just kind of fell in my lap. You know, more people wanted to come. I was teaching at uh, Felipe Fogelin's gym. That's where I, when I left, that was where I started running my practices and Felipe was still fighting at the time. And I started coaching Felipe full time. And he was a, an a RFA, LFA, RFA at the time, a headliner. And I, I just almost, like I said, it, it fell into my lap and I like helping people, man. You know what I mean? I like, I like to see my friends succeed. And if I can take something that I've been doing for my half, more than half of my life and I can help other people a better themselves achieve success. I mean, I feel like that's, that's something I should be doing because if I fight, I'm not really helping anybody else achieve success. You know what I mean? I'm, totally. I'm just working itself. It's more, Fighting is the most selfish sport. Yeah. Everything, everything needs to be about you. So when I started coaching, the thought of fighting was like, eh, dude, I'm, I'm literally holding pads 20 times a week. I'm fucking teaching these classes. Like, if I'm going to fight, I can't be doing any of that. Like, it needs to be all about me. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped, man. And I didn't fight for, whew, well, my last fight is in 2014. And then I fought again this year. I fought it. Uh, sorry, I fought again in 2019. Yeah. So five years. I had a five year layoff. 
And, but I spar, I spar every Wednesday, dude. You know what I mean? I still train. I still hit pads. <laughs> yeah. I spar with all my guys. I spar with all the high level dudes. Anybody that that's in the UFC glory Bellator that comes into my gym, I lace them up. You know what I mean? I think that's obviously you get coaches who are older who can't do that. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of coaches that are still capable of doing that and they don't. Yeah. And I don't think that's good, man. I think you should get in there and I think, I think your students should know what you're about. I think your students should. I, agree. I think you should be able to feel your students. You know what I mean? I think you should be able to feel them out. I think they should be able to learn your style from you. I could preach a style to you all day, but if I'm not demonstrating it and I'm not doing it. Well, there's a, you know, the ultimate fucking litmus test too is when the person that is teaching you how to do something, you know, fucks your ass up with it. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. So I know it works cause I'm actively trying to stop it and then I can't. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think my fighters like it, you know what I mean? My my fighters like getting rounds in with me. I fucking thrive off it. It makes me still feel like hey, I could I could still fucking do this shit. Yep, yep, yep. And then I think then I think about cutting weight and I think that's why my last fight I just was like, nah, fuck it, I ain't cutting I ain't cutting shit. I cut five pounds and that was it. Like Yeah. It's just it's a I, I feel it helps grow the, the coach athlete bond even more. I agree. Like we can we can ride ride across town to fights. You know what I mean. We could ride into battle together. We could do all this shit, and that grows a strong bond. But sitting in there and fucking each other up just adds to it. You know what I mean? It it just adds to it. And when I get fighters that hit me with shit that I showed them, or they, you know what I mean, or sure. or I, they get the best of me, which it happens all the time, dude. And I'm not fucking Superman. Like I go in there and spar Raymond or Christian or Diego in some rounds. I am not winning. You know what I mean? And that don't make them look at me less of a coach because they got the best of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, it, I think it gives them more incentive because I've been showing them their striking and now they're piecing me up. Yep. So it's, I think, it yeah, I builds, think it, it a bond. Yeah. I agree. 100% dude. I, about once a month, me and my coach will empty gym, him and I will roll for two, two and a half hours without stopping. Just and, fucking you up. Yep. <laughs> yep. And at the end of those sessions, man, it's. You're way closer. We're, you yeah. Are, like that's my guy, that. dude. I would, you know, like unquestionably yeah. do anything for him and know that the, that the feelings mutual, you know? Yep. And dude, and that's the thing, uh, you know, as I was, I'm sure you've noticed on the podcast, I literally have fighters and musicians yeah. Um, and the thing that's really interesting to me about both of those arts is particularly at MMA gyms, like you and I have talked uh, respectfully and openly about having different views uh, yeah. on the world. And I think that something that's so special about uh, mixed martial arts is I've seen cops and drug dealers become best friends. Yep. I've yep. seen, you know what I mean? Uh, yep. You see people... For, for me, like one of my favorite friendships at my gym is uh, a dude named Josh Whaley, who is a fucking born and raised Montana handlebar mustache, as conservative as they come. And, you know, I'm an outspoken fucking political activist and him and I are fucking boys. And I would, you know, yeah. there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. And I got like, one of those too, bro. My boy, Chris Cully. My yep. boy, Chris Cully. Me and him are always going back and forth, sending each other stupid shit about each side. But at the end of the day, it's all love, man. You know what and, I mean? He's my boy. 
And, and that's something that the world doesn't have, dude. We're in this area that's, you know, this area of, uh, of our human history where the division is so thick and it's just like, dude, you can fucking disagree with people and still love and like them. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? And have actual relationships. And for me, man, my, my beliefs are just based off of honestly, the way I was raised. I might not be the most intelligent when it comes down to stuff like that, because I'll be honest with you, dude, like I said, I didn't graduate high school. Didn't pay attention too much in it either. I was more focused on real world. You know what I mean? Surviving, yep. making money, like come from a, a loving household with a, a great mom and dad, but everybody partied, dude. Everybody yep. partied and partied hard and we're using shit that shouldn't have been using. Sure. And it was just a rough, rough, you know I mean? There was always, there was never a lack of love, but there was definitely a lack of uh, opportunity and, and stuff like that. And, so for me, it was like, I never, some guys will, I'll post something, you know, which I shouldn't, I shouldn't post shit because I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. I have my beliefs, that's that. And guys will go off and start dropping all these facts on me. And I'm like, ah, motherfucker, I can't give you nothing back. Like, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I just, to me though, the, I don't, I don't give a fuck who's president, dude. I don't give a fuck about any of that. I want to live a good life and be good to my neighbor. And boom, you know what I mean? Like that's to me is like, I don't have time to worry about that. And for yeah. me, like, and I, I say this a lot and people get weird about this too. Like, I don't worry about religion. I don't worry about God. I don't worry about none of that. Like if yep. at the end of my life, there is something like that. I'll know that I live my life good enough to where I should be accepted anywhere. Man. And if not, if you didn't accept me just for me, then I don't want to be there in the first place. Like, <laughs> right, you know man. I, mean? I believe, you know, Will and I were just having this conversation, man. The most revolutionary action that you can take as a human being is be kind to everybody. 100%. Like that's it. Fuck politics, fuck religion, fuck all of that. If everybody in the world was just tending their own garden and not being a dick. And just said, what's up to your neighbor? Gave him a head nod and a smile. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's another thing, dude, that starts to happen when you train. Like what's interesting, you know, I grew up my big brother was the fucking man. Everyone was scared of him. My whole identity was his little brother. And when I started training, you know, it was about right around when I got my blue belt in jujitsu that I started being like, oh, fuck, dude, if I got in a fight with a normal person, I could probably do pretty good. I could probably fuck some shit up. Yeah. (laughs) But what, what I noticed starts happening is um, the better that I get a, the less desire I have to, fight strangers but yeah but uh it was funny man i've had a couple situations where um someone was like dead set on starting a fight with me and and my instinct there was no part of me that was like all right man i'm about to show this dude what's up it was literally like well man you know there's like this deep deep empathy of just like oh dude you don't even know what it's like to get dude i don't want to hurt you yeah you don't even know what yeah yeah and i think that that is like huge missing thing in our culture too you don't meet a lot of people that have trained for years that have issues with their ego you know and they're walking around feeling like they got something to prove yeah who is uh hold on hold on one sec brother yeah yeah uh go ahead go go ahead so i know you're short on time dude so we're just gonna get i still got like 20 minutes okay cool um so I wanted to bring up this interesting theory that I have and get your thoughts on it. 
especially as someone that grew up scrapping. So I have this theory, right, of, of small violence and big violence. And uh, big violence being um, wars and things like that. And small violence being, uh, you know, disrespectful dudes getting punched in the head for being rude. And, uh, and I've always thought in my head that if there was more small violence, there would be a lot less big violence. Um, and to quote, to, to quote my professor, Will Grunhauser, he says, sometimes I meet people that have never been punched in the face and I just feel really bad for them. And uh, did you hear all that? No, you kind of cut out. Sorry, I had to disconnect oh. on the Wi-Fi. No worries. Uh, so this idea of small violence versus big violence, right? If there was more small violence, there would be, be substantial. Yes. I, I, I agree, dude. Mutual combat law would... If I could legally punch everybody in the fucking mouth that, that had an opinion or had a, had a rude thing to say, I bet a lot, lot of people would stop saying those things. You know what I mean? If it was legal for me to get out of the car at a red light and rip you through your fucking window, <laughs> I, I bet a lot. I bet a lot of people would chill out. You know yeah. what I mean? But a yeah, lot I, of people know that. Oh, I'm just gonna pull my cell phone out and I'm gonna film it. Yep. And you're gonna get in trouble. But it's like, I, I don't know what states, but I know there are some states that have a mutual combat law, right? Washington. Washington is one of them. That's fucking rad, dude. Like. Well, it's interesting. We had an we had a situation at a festival last year uh, where this kid was super, super disrespectful. I, would, I wouldn't think people would fight at your guys' festivals. No, dude. But this <laughs> he was he was actually a musician, um, and he was really rude to my guitar player. And then I kind of went over to try and smooth it out, and he was rude to me, and I kind of brushed it off. And then I even approached him a second time, like, "Hey, man, uh, nobody here is is trying to get down like that. Like, it's all gravy, man. We're all good." He's like, man, fuck you. And I was <laughs> oh. like, all right, dude. So I like walked away. I was like shaking, you know? Yeah. So I walk away. And then when we're walking up the ramp to get on stage, he like flexed at me like he wanted to hit me. So I like, I just hopped off and I got in his face. I was like, dude, you know, there are people in this world that fight for fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like you know, and he was literally, you could see not just fear he was like oh fuck this has never happened before like no one's nobody's, ever actually nobody's ever fucking stepped up to me like, yeah so yeah it's just uh i don't know where I was a lot going. of people a lot of people get by the with the mouth man a lot of people get by with the mouth um and then once once you pull their card you, you watch the demeanor change <laughs> yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah it's uh Joe Rogan said something on his podcast about how like 90% of the male population genuinely believe they can fight. Yeah. And it is fucking wrong. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 I got, a, I got white belts in my gym that I am 100% confident can kick some of these dudes asses that are acting hard. You know what I mean? It's just, Dude, you don't you know, know what you don't know. Dude. And here's an analogy that I use all of the time. I always like, let's replace fighting with basketball. Okay, so I played basketball one time when I was drunk in college. And uh, it, it went okay. I didn't get hurt, uh, and I even made a couple shots. I haven't played basketball since. But I'm pretty sure I could beat anyone I meet at one-on-one -on -one in basketball. 
sounds stupid as fuck. Sounds stupid as fuck, especially <laughs> when there are dudes that are fucking math teachers and science teachers that play basketball three times a week. Like that's what they do right? with their free time is practice. And they're not even—they're not even athletes. They're just do it on, They do it on their free time. Like, yep. Yeah, and it's so sure. funny, dude. I think it's of, the uh, same thing when you get these—you get these doctors and these lawyers, and I mean, I don't mean to say words like this, but dorky, kind of nerdy-looking dudes. Yep. And that motherfucker's a black belt in jiu-jitsu that'll wrap you up in under 30 seconds. Like, dude, I, 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 I hate to blow up my friend, my friend Tony Mike, and I know he listens to the podcast. He's an RV salesman. He's like 155 pounds. You know, he dresses like a total middle-class dad. And <laughs> he is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I, I, I could think of a million people I'd rather fight than Tony Mike. And he's a fucking yep. RV salesman. You know what I mean? Yep. And, yes. I'll tell you what, since we talked about Dejan, before Dejan got that stupid-ass cauliflower ear hanging off the side of his head, Dejan was one of them. That's just like so – to me, he's so unsuspecting. And yep. to me, Dejan's one of the nastiest dudes, bro. Dejan's got hands. He can fight. He can, he can kick. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it. He's just always smiling. He's always happy. Like. And he, uh, he did – when he was at our gym – he does a real good job of matching intensity for sure he's a good training partner man he's great training partner he's been in the game he's been in the game for a very long time so dude he know, was his technical ability we were watching him he was training with one of our 205ers and uh you know who had kind of just gotten by on brute strength and yeah you know looking like a fucking action figure and <laughs> the way that Dejan was mixing up combos dude this kid was just like blown away. Like we were all just watching it like, Oh shit. Yeah, no, he's, he's fluid, man. He's got great boxing and he, he makes it, he mixes it up well. And I love you, Dejan, but he don't look like he's in the best shape. No, but he'll go, you know what yep. I mean? And you'll be like, what? He'll keep pushing the pace on you. And you're like, Whoa, I did not expect this out of this guy. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a hell of a fighter, I man. He I, I hope he doesn't resent me for any of this. No, dude, he, he was making fat jokes at himself last time I rolled with him. He's an animal, dude. He, he's I, 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 One of the worst cuts I've ever cornered was Dejan. A Muay Thai fight against Charles Bissett, who I actually ended up coaching after that fight. And in my opinion, uh, Dejan was up all three rounds. And then in the third round, Dejan walked into an up elbow. And I don't know if you've seen the photo on Dejan's social media or not. But I had more blood on me than I've ever bled in a fight. And it was Dejan's. Ugh. I mean, dude, I, I like I said, I, I've never personally been in a corner with this much blood. That day, I mean, Dejan was fucking leaking, and they stopped the fight. Obviously, they didn't even give us a chance to stop the stop the bleeding. They just stopped it. But he's he's just a tough dude, man. Yeah, and he's famous for whooping the shit out of Charlie Zelenoff. God bless him, bro. You see, speaking of Charlie Zelenoff, I seen a video came out of, that he fucked up some pizza dude that came to his door the other night. I haven't seen that. Uh, if you guys don't know who Charlie Zelenoff is, uh, YouTube him. And then you can also YouTube uh, our friend Dejan that we're talking about when he was 16, beating the – essentially the guy challenges people to fights by handing them boxing gloves. And then the second they grab the boxing gloves, he just starts sucker punching them. And uh, Old dudes in 24-hour fitness, he'll ask guys, yeah. hey, do you, do you want a private lesson? And they'll be like, sure. And they put the gloves on, and he just starts firing on them like – in the yeah. middle of 24-hour fitness. Yeah, it's outrageous. This, this video I saw was 
a pizza dude, older older guy, coming to the door, dropping off a pizza. You order a pizza? And Charlie goes, no, nah, I didn't order a pizza. He's like, you sure? And Charlie's like, nah. And then Charlie goes to shut the door, and then he opens, he goes, oh, wait, hold on. And the guy stops, and he fucking socks him in the face. And it's just wow. like, man, somebody needs to euthanize that dude. I know, yeah, he's a, totally delusional. Dejan was sending me messages between the two of them. He still hits D up and is like, yo, Oh, what I want a rematch. Yeah, what a rematch. So with every for everyone uh, watching, when you YouTube his name, you'll undoubtedly find the video. But Dejan was 16 years old and uh, somehow agreed. They got this dude to agree to actually fight him, dude. And Dejan just fucking wrecked him. Hey, what about you see when Dante Wilder beat him up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing, dude? Yeah, that guy has serious mental Wild. health issues, man. He's got mental health issues for sure. He needs to be, he needs to be put down or put in a home, one of the yeah. two. Yeah, I agree. All right, dude. I got a few standards for you, and then I'll let you go teach. All right, what's your, fa- what's your favorite thing to do outside of fighting and coaching? Painting. Yeah. Painting. I love art, man. I've, uh, I grew up a part of the, the reason I was a shipwreck. I was a graffiti writer. Yeah. Uh, I, was a, I painted freight, freight graffiti from when I was 15 till uh, – <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love i love freight train graffiti dude it's my uh it's, i almost love that more than martial arts dude and it's my like it's the most nostalgic nostalgic thing in the world to me i love trains i love the wild west so any any kind of art that get your ass up with, here dude i plan on it i plan on it man i plan on it yeah painting is definitely my my favorite hobby outside of mma and then next to that would have to be like all the the firearms training i've been doing lately yeah, dude, I gotta, I gotta get deeper into that game. What is, uh, what is the greatest lesson that you've learned in your career fighting and coaching? The greatest lesson that I have learned, man, take shit with a grain of salt. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be humble and give back give back give back to people man like i said in the beginning i I love to help people you know i'm a dick you know i've got my views i'm stubborn i talk like a sailor but same anybody comes to my gym man they won't have they won't have a negative thing to say about me you know what i mean like for me it was I, i i came from a i came from a place where i almost got used you know what i mean for for what i knew and the, the, the talent and skill that I had and, and would give to people. And that kind of taught me to not treat people like that. You know what I mean? Any, anybody that, that steps in my gym or a- anybody that needs help with something, I'm, I'm willing to lend a hand. So for me, I guess to stop babbling and rambling on the, the best thing I've learned through martial arts is, is humbleness, man. And, and just kindness, straight up kindness, being, being good to people. Love that. Who is your favorite fighter of all time? Oh, dude, that's too hard. Can I, I list know. like I list? Yeah, yeah give me okay. a top five or top. I'll give you a top. I'll give you a top. My favorite boxers of all time: Mike Tyson, Mickey Ward. Uh. My favorite kickboxers of all time: Ernesto Hoost and Mike Zambides and Raymond Daniels. Yep. My favorite MMA fighters. BJ Penn, old BJ Penn. Yep. For sure. Um, Vandalay Silva, Shogun Hua, 
I like I like the old school violence, man. I like the old school yep. violence, the old school shoot box fighters. And then for, for modern day, for modern day, my favorite fighters right now in the UFC, Max Holloway. Max Holloway and probably Christian Aguilera, man. Yep. Christian Aguilera. And I'm not saying that because he's one of my guys. I'm saying it because I know no matter what, that when, he's, when Christian steps in that cage – someone's going to fucking sleep. Yep. Dude, you know what I mean? He fights – the way Christian fights is on, fucking with my shield or on it. You know what I mean? Yep. And I love that shit, dude. That shit fuels the fire right there. Yeah, I agree, man. I like fighters like that. All right, what was your walkout song? Man. Why? My favorite? Well, I, I mean, I, I changed it up a lot. It was depending on what I was feeling. Um, Simple Man, Leonard Skinner. Uh, Leonard Skinner is my favorite band of all time. Nice. Uh, yeah. I got a portrait of Ronnie Van Zant on my leg. Nice. Uh, they're my favorite band. Uh, and you don't mess around with Jim by, uh, Jim Croce. Nice. Yeah. Dude. That was, uh, I won the, I won the state title walking out to, you don't mess around with Jim. That's awesome. Hey, I know you're an old country fan. The Eagle by Waylon Jennings. Is my, my coach's old walkout song, dude? And oh, I listen yeah. to that shit now. That's such a fucking tough song, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, my one of my fighters actually walked out to uh, "Lonesome Henri and Mean" by by Waylon Jennings. Hell yeah! Uh, There's a vibe set when you're not walking out to a super gangster hip hop song, but you're walking out yeah. to some old country, dude. It's a different. And then song. my last fight, I walked out to a a band called uh, Shane Smith and the Saints. I don't know if you've heard them, but uh, it's a song called "All I See Is You," and that shit was pretty cool. Love that, dude. All right, one more. What do you want to be remembered for? My team. My team. I don't, I don't need personal legacy. I want, I want my team to go down as one of the best teams ever. You know what I mean? I'm not really worried about Tyler Wombles going down as anything. I want, I want Classic Fight Team to be something that people talk about, you know what I mean? When people talk about MMA, they talk about shoot box. They talk about Nova Uniao. They talk about alpha male. Yep. They talk about Greg Jackson. I, I, I want them to talk about classic fight team. Hell yeah, man. I love that. Well, man, whenever you can break away, dude, I know, uh, I know we'd love to have you out here, man. And would love to get a Hell seminar. Yeah. We haven't had a striking seminar in, in fucking forever. And this Say is when, the, man. This is Set the land. Of I, will be, I will be there ASAP. You, you tell me when. All right, I'll uh, I'll talk to Will this week because we're open and running too, man. And this is definitely the the land of freight trains too. So hell yeah, yeah. Real quick, Felipe Fogelin, I know you're gonna listen to this. I love you, bro. Yeah, I have a present for you, man. I'm gonna send uh, I'm gonna send Tyler some stuff and uh, and he'll get it to you. Felipe's a savage. If you guys don't know who Felipe is, check Felipe Fogelin out. He had one of the most clean records coming up on the local circuit. He beat UFC vets in LFA. And he's a stud in the EBI competition right now. You can look him up on UFC Fight Pass. He's actually the cover of UFC Fight Pass when you sign into it right now. Oh, that's check awesome. Felipe. Yeah, check Felipe out, man. He's literally one of the, the best jiu-jitsu practitioners I, I've ever met. And probably the kindest, nicest soul I've ever met, dude. Like, he's a really good dude. Love so, that. I know you, I know you would be, be stoked to, to talk to him, man. He's a, he, he, when he found out I was coming on this podcast, he was like, Dude, that's my that's my music right there. So, dude, well, when I, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we'll see what all happens with this COVID shit. But I'm off until next spring, so my plan this winter 
is to come train in Phoenix, to come train where you guys are at. And Good. Do it. He's open for business, too. He's right down the street from my gym. So we'll make, oh, a, we'll make perfect. a week out of it, bro. Hell yeah. All right. Well, let's be in touch, man. Big love to you and, uh, and you to too, your team. You too, man. All right. You too, brother. Soon. Take care. You too. Peace. All right, y'all. Uh, hope you dug again. We got to have him back on, man. Um, the stuff he's doing with uh, with Travis Kennedy is real badass, uh, and I wanted to get into that. Um, yeah, we'll do it again. I'm actually trying to get him uh, out to Montana uh, to train. So, yeah, hopefully when that happens, and he could be the first actual in-person podcast. Uh, anyway, uh, I believe that the next episode I'm going to have my manager on. I have a few other people lined up, um, but they're all martial artists. <laughs> so in an effort, uh, well, kind of. One's a martial artist that's also a stand-up comedian, uh, and the other one is uh, a, not just a martial artist, but uh, an insane, badass entrepreneur. But anywho, so I believe the next message will be, or message, son of a bitch. I believe the next podcast will be um, me and my manager, Matthew Fritz. So, uh, yeah, prepare for that because we're going to dive deep into the story of Satsung. And, you know, uh, he's going to give some insight into what it's like to to work with a maniac like me that is uh, constantly... Uh, putting his physical safety at risk and uh, is also pretty hard-headed, some would say. Some would say focused and determined. Others would say uh, hard-headed and stubborn. But, anywho, uh, I fucking love you guys and uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode and, as always, like, share, yada yada, that whole deal. Big love. Take care of each other. Peace. Peace.